Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends and welcome back. Hope you are doing well and you've had a good week and we're in July already. Where, where has half the year gone? But I hope you're doing well and I've started to see kind of popping up those half year kind of reflections of you know how your year's been, what you're doing with your life, that kind of thing. So it's something I've kind of got in my mind to think about but um also sometimes we're just kind of getting by and surviving but um you know I think today's episode was an amazing conversation and a lot about kind of reflecting on what our life is like and the things that kind of fit in and and make up our life so if it's something that you've been feeling um a little like ugh about (laughs) about life um well generally then maybe it's a time to kind of reflect and think hmm how how am I living? What, you know, what are the things in my life? And, and, and probably some of those questions and things will become clearer, um, through this conversation with Dory. But before we dive in, I'd like to say a massive thank you to all of the guests that joined us for our men's mental health panel. So Will, Tim, Joey and Jay, uh, for Monday last week and Melody who joined us on Wednesday when we were talking about teen mental health. And we're kind of going to the sort of other end of the age spectrum, if you like, today um, and talking about ageing well and retirement um, and kind of the well-being and identity and, and stories and all that great stuff um, as we age. Um, and so I really enjoyed speaking with Dr. Dory, uh, who joined us for this. So I really hope that you enjoy the conversation and I'll be back super quickly at the ending. Hi everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest, Dr. Dorian, to the podcast. So Dory, welcome, and if you could introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about you, that would be fab. Thank you. Well, thank you, first of all, for inviting me to be part of this today. So I am a a psychologist, a social worker and psychologist and coach, and I work with people in life transitions. Um, I work with people kind of throughout all of life transitions, but more recently I've been specializing in the second half of life and helping people focus on, you know, what's next for you? How do you want to live the rest of your life? It may include continuing to work, working in a different way, volunteering, spending time with family and friends or children or grandchildren if you have them, leisure, traveling. Uh, There's so many possibilities now. And I also... um, have a monthly program that I offer to people. It's called Revolutionize Your Retirement Interview with Expert Series to help you create a fulfilling second half of life. And I'd like to invite all your listeners. It's a free call. It's on the fourth Tuesday of each month at 12 noon Eastern time, um, which would be a early evening time for some of your listeners who are in, in the UK. And people can learn about it through my website, which is www.revolutionizeretirement.com. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so, yeah, you said that you've, um, you know, support people with transitions generally, um, but then you've had this, this shift more recently. Did anything kind of prompt that shift to focus on the second half of life? Yeah, I think my own life, <laughs> really. Um, I'm very much in the second half of life now. And, and as I look at it, you know, I've worked with all these different life transitions, and in many ways, they have paralleled some of where I've been in my own life. So I've worked with people, um, even though I was an adult at the time, I worked with people, you know, adolescent, you know, marriage, you know, creating families, divorce, widowhood. And as I approached middle age myself, I began to be just so much more interested in thinking about adult development. And there was so much hype at the time, because I'm one of what's called the leading age boomers, born in 1946. And so there was so much hype about, you know, 
it's such a different time for boomers than prior generations and we're living longer. So I got really interested in adult development. I'd been interested anyway in positive psychology, but also in holistic life planning. And I just really welcomed the opportunity to help people really think about the, the possibilities that we have in the second stage of life. And that, you know, the whole paradigm of aging has shifted and there's much more focus on wellness now and, you know, trying to maximize the best we can be, knowing that, you know, in the second half of life, we are all growing older, no matter how hard we work to try to stay healthy. And I, um, I was watching your TED talk um, recently, and there's some interesting statistics in that that I hadn't realized that middle age now officially is like 55 to 75 is what's kind of classed as middle aged, which I don't know what it used to be, but it feels like a shift. Oh, a, a big shift, because it used to be thought that middle age was like 40 to 60. And then by the time you reach 60, you know, the, the way it had been with life being the lifespan being shorter is you got you know, to the top of your career path around 60. And then the prior notion of aging was, was all downhill, you know, and you were just sort of waiting for the end. Now, you know, you get to be 60 and there are all these what are called bonus years, this kind of plateau out there with a lot of hills and valleys. And so people have been rethinking and saying mid-age is now more 55 to 70, 75. Um, and that, you know, people are living longer so then becomes you know more of the the older age but but it is true that we all age differently and and some people um just have more difficulty earlier but studies you mentioned about some statistics but studies show that by the time you're 65 it's really only 30 percent about genetics which isn't small i mean 30 30 percent's a big part if there's a genetic history you have, but 70% are things you can have some control over, like lifestyle, like exercising your body and brain, like nutrition, like social life, being part of a community, spirituality. You know, these are all things that we can have some control over. And so it really can make the second half of life just... Um, so much better than I think people expected. So it really is a whole paradigm shift of thinking about aging. Yeah, I'm just thinking of where my my parents are kind of in that. Um, so I'm sure they'll be pleased to know that they're, you know, <laughs> smack back in the middle aged. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that we, you know, in the UK, our retirement age is still 65, 67. It's, I don't know, shifting. Um, probably shift again before I kind of get there but I always find it interesting that we have for, for most careers there's like that's the age that retirement is but for some reason in politics in particular there seems to be this very different view of of age maybe and um, mm -hmm. people's what's the right word capability maybe to kind of yeah. continue working at like the, <laughs> the highest level really um, mm -hmm. which is an interesting yeah, it's, it has been an interesting shift and it just shows just the wonderful role models that we really have now of people who are very capable living longer. Part of what people talk about is that you know, if we allow ourselves as we get older, we can, in a sense, harvest the wisdom in us. Because we, you know, if you think about it, just the longer you've lived, the more life experiences that you've had the, and, and the more your perspective keeps changing and if you can you know kind of grow with that and grow with the changing times there's really so much that that you can offer at different stages of life and you're absolutely right we look around both in my country the US and in the UK and you know older people are now being held in higher esteem and recognizing the wisdom perspective you know sort of the you know, just harvesting the wisdom and how much they can share and really be role models for all of us. You know, when you think about it, people can be more resilient. I mean, resilience is an important thing to learn, but as you're older, just even dealing with the pandemic, there have been some interesting studies showing that older people, you know, it's, it's not been easy and the isolation's been hard and all, but older people who've dealt with a lot of ups and downs in life, you know, have really kind of weathered this some ways um, 
well, differently. I'm not going to, I don't want to get into an evaluation thing, but differently because there's been that perspective that just helps them see it as kind of another one of those really difficult times, but with somehow an internal belief, we're going to get through it. That sometimes younger people don't necessarily feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that kind of wider frame of reference, isn't it? And kind of. Exactly. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. A wider yeah. Range of reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if we could uh, think a little bit or talk a little bit about well-being uh, as we age and how we can maintain our well-being and kind of why that's that's so important to, to think about. I think well-being is such an important area. I know you and I had spoken about this even before the, you know, the podcast. Um, if you think about it, when we're in school, when we're working, you know, if people are actively parents, if you think about it, all of those pursuits gives us some connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning. And, and that's really important. And there's a sense often of self-esteem. There's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, usually there's a sense of purpose and engagement and connection with people. And so part of what happens as you get older, and if you aren't working or aren't working in the same way, it really is important to think about how am I going to build that into my life? Or also even if, if you've been full-time at home and your kids are gone, you're still a parent, just like you know, you'll still have whatever roles you had before, but it's like allowing yourself to both develop a new identity, but also you know, on the well-being line, how will I build connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning into my life? Martin Seligman, who's sort of thought of as the father of positive psychology, um, has done a lot of work on happiness, on well-being, and there have been a lot of people in the field. And his more recent books, uh, Flourish, he has another book on hope, the connection, engagement, purpose, and meaning, meaningful relationships, community, all of those are sort of the, the legs that we need for well-being. So I think one of the most important thing is just to figure out how will you build that in your life? And there's no right way. You know, for some people, it might be to continue, continue using your skills and still working in some way, um, particularly if financially you need to. For other people, volunteering, it might be time with children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, um, with just younger people. I also think intergenerational connections between older people and younger people are so important that there's so much we can learn from each other um, in the mentoring way, but also just the way younger people can help. Older people have the perspective of different ways of viewing things and also technology. There's just a lot we can learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, I did an interview yesterday with a 16 year old and it's just so interesting. I was trying to think what I was like at 16. I'm probably not anywhere near as articulate and kind of like in tune with stuff. Um, but yeah, I think there's real value. And I, I don't know about in the U S but in the UK, I know there are a few, um, kind of charitable programs that kind of pair younger people yes. and, and older people because as you said it can be a really valuable um connection and yeah yeah there, there are many more programs now that are really recognizing that and really even focusing on intergenerational living you know uh, for a while we've we've had these sort of age segregated kind of communities and those probably will still continue to exist um, and some people really like being in communities where there are people of similar ages, but I think more and more people are discovering that it's really nice, you know, it's sort of the old concept of neighborhood, you know, where there are people of different ages and, you know, maybe some neighbors can be kind of like a grandparent to younger people or help out. And, you know, there's a nice synergy that really happens in that. I wanted to comment on one other thing that you said, which is interesting that it sounds like in the UK, there still is a more mandatory retirement age. Um, and that's been shifting in, in the US. Uh, there used to be totally kind of cross industries. Now there's still a few that are that kind of traditional retirement age of 62, 65, 67. Many more industries, at least in our country, now have uh, eliminated that, which 
really is is has been great for people because you know sometimes people don't want to be forced to retire um and but it also can be a paradox because then it's like hmm, what do i really want to do <laughs> you know do i still want to stay in the workforce do i want to as i mentioned do volunteer work do an encore career and encore careers often defined as you know maybe using the skills you have or maybe totally different, but doing something where you're giving back something for the common good. And again, just, you know, there's so many incredible uh, volunteer programs, you know, where it's not just stuffing envelopes, although that's an important task that some places need, but it's really um, helping and, and, and either working with younger people or working for a cause that you really believe in. Um, and, and developing an, a, a new identity in a sense called elderhood, you know, being an elder. Um, there's an organization that's international that maybe your listeners would like to learn about. It's called Saging International, S-A-G-E hyphen I-N-G International. And it's really based on recognizing, again, the wisdom that people have as they get older and being able to identify as an elder and join with other elders. And within that organization, kind of within it and separate from it, there's like an elders action network focusing on social justice, climate change. And it, you know, now that so much of the world is virtual, you know, people from all over uh, can be part of it. And it's a way of developing a new identity if you're, you know, shifting from your work identity or your parenting identity. Yeah, well, I mean, I love the sound of an encore career. That's, that's right. great, doesn't it? And yeah. and I guess the yeah, the sage and elder rather than elderly, which I think has exactly. more of that, um, right. maybe not entirely negative connotation, but that that kind of feel. Whereas an elder and the sage is that wisdom and that experience that exactly. feels like a much more positive uh, term. Um, and I think in the, in the UK, I don't know that it's um, mand. There are some industries do have, I believe, mandatory retirement ages, but that's the state pension age. So uh, I'm not sure that it's enforced, but whether there is that kind of cultural feel, even if it's not mm -hmm. enforced, that oh well, you're at retirement age now, so actually, you're you're going to retire, and that expectation, you know. No, absolutely, and I think that happens in the US also, which ties into this other part of it, which I think you've alluded to, which is ageism. You know, there is a lot of, of ageism, which means sort of negative stereotypes about aging that I think exist definitely in our, in my country, but I think it, it's global. And I, I, I do think that many people are trying to shift that. And I think just even looking at like political leaders or other people that are older certainly helps, but there's also something called internalized ageism, um, which is very subtle and nuanced, but this sense that, um, you know, if you recognize that you're of retirement age, for some people, it's like, uh-oh, it's all gonna be downhill. And if you believe that, it will be that way. Or if you look at older people and, you know, sort of wanna shy away from them, like, oh, they're, they're old, I don't know, it's like it's contagious or something. That's like internalized ageism. I mean, if we're all lucky enough, we will live to a ripe old age, which doesn't mean that we're going to be healthy on all fronts. But people can really age well and be vital with chronic illnesses, even with terminal illnesses. Uh, but we don't all age the same way. And as I said earlier, no matter how well we can take, we take care of our bodies and brains, uh, there is something that biologically happens as we get older. And we all will age if we're lucky. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And I um, I wonder if we could talk about transitions kind of generally and life transitions yeah. and why they are so difficult sometimes. Not obviously not for everyone, but why they can be so unsettling and, and challenging. Well, so much of life is transitions. I mean, in a sense, being alive is everything is a transition. And if you think about it, transitions generally have three stages. I think people kind of agree on that, that there's generally an ending, some period of unknown, and then a new beginning. And the period of ending, you know, there can be loss, there can be grief. 
you know, you, you need to let go of something to make space for something new. And that making space can be an unsettling time. And I, I, I always like the image sort of of a trapeze artist, you know, where, you know, if you, I think most people have seen people at circuses and, you know, the trapeze artist climbs, you know, the ladder, sort of we accomplish things in our life or, you know, whatever, we climb the ladder, you hold on, and then sort of with an act of faith, you let go and you're flying through the air, hopefully with a safety net, although it's not always there, but hopefully with a safety net, and then you grab hold. And in a sense, that, that's a metaphor of a transition. And so it's a letting go, you know, it's, it's the saying goodbye, and then it's sometimes a leap of faith, sometimes um, a, a, a recent book I read that I'll mention in a moment talks about the messy middle instead of the, the, the neutral time. But hopefully we have a safety net. Hopefully, you know, in this retirement stage or next stage of life, there's some finances or we have social supports or whatever. And then there's this new beginning and there's just sort of no right way anymore uh, to spend those next years. And so for some people it can be daunting and for others it can be exciting. I like to ask people to think about transitions in your life, you know, at whatever stage, whether it was going to school or, you know, getting married or getting unmarried or having children or whatever, you know, starting a job. What for you is the hardest part? Is it the ending? Is it the unknown? Is it the new beginning? Is it all of that? Is it part of it? Because I think when you think about it, it can inform you a little to say, you know, I think I have more trouble with the ending. Uh, or I have more trouble just not knowing, or with the new beginning, because that can help you then anticipate and think about how do I want to deal with it. So if, for example, the unknown is difficult, then you might be somebody who wants to maybe get a coach or some help to, to really think about what am I retiring to? You know, what's going to be this next part of my life so that you can you know, have some ideas so it's not maybe so terrifying to, you know, kind of be in the unknown. If you have more trouble with the ending, just know that you need to give yourself time, you know, to grieve and give yourself permission, you know, to, to reflect and to think about what you need to do and not push so quickly, you know, and if it's the new beginning, you might be just off and running. But what is interesting is sometimes people are off and running to the next stage, but they haven't given themselves time to really disengage from the other. And so it may catch up with them a little later and they may find themselves, you know, kind of feeling some grief and not quite understanding what that's about. So I think understanding transitions is a really helpful way of thinking about how we progress through the world. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for that breakdown. And as you were speaking, I was kind of trying to map out how I feel about transitions and I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I know I definitely, I, when, when you were first talking about it and that the loss, but then it's making space for something new. And to me, that felt really exciting and really positive. And maybe, you know, sometimes we lose sight of that opportunity. And I would imagine maybe particularly with retirement, if we're focusing on the loss of career and if we're an empty nester and that kind of thing, maybe we get stuck on the loss and not appreciating actually there is this space now which can be scary <laughs> how do I fill it but to yeah. me also quite exciting um, yeah and it really is exciting and that's that's another part of transition that I guess or uh, retirement too that I hadn't mentioned that retirement used to be thought of as just the destination you know you retired and then you know there was this myth that then you just had a life of leisure and then life was shorter and you died but now, you know, with people really having longer lifespans, uh, there's a much longer time. And so it's helpful to think about retirement as retiring to something. So it's not just an end. You're not retiring from life, but you're retiring to being different in the world, maybe, whether it be the encore career, working, volunteering, or leisure, but you're retiring to something. Um, and that generally helps in the thinking about, you know, how you're going to build in that connection, engagement, purpose, and meaning. What's going to get you out of bed in the morning? 
how you're going to make this transition work for you so that you can look forward to and enjoy the years ahead. And when people think about it in that way and they have that sort of plan in in place of, like you said, how they're going to get out of bed in the morning, what it's going to look like, do you find that they're better able to kind of manage that and have better mental well-being generally from having that focus? Often, yeah, because what it does for people, it gives you a sense that you can have some control over, you know, you're deciding how you want to spend your time. Some people really do need, though, time, you know, some people when they've been working really hard and long are just so exhausted and burnt out and they really need time to just kind of veg out or maybe not do anything. But generally that can catch up with you. If you stick, stay there, you can be going down this slippery slope into a rabbit hole, you know, where maybe there's too much isolation or you're staying in bed too much or, you know, nothing's giving you pleasure so that you you know, get more depressed or kind of the dark side of retirement can be drinking too much or turning to drugs. So, but giving yourself permission for some time, but then, you know, to, to really try to say, what do I want to do? What am I retiring to? But I think if you've thought about it ahead of time, sometimes you don't feel that loss of control quite so much. Although things may catch up with you, you may discover you know, you really are struggling with who am I now that I'm not working? You know, what's my identity? You know, or you may discover you miss, you know, going to work or you miss some of your colleagues. And sometimes people might think they're so ready to retire, they don't recognize they're going to miss parts of it. So it can catch up with you somewhat. But I, I think in general, if people allow themselves to think ahead, to, to make some plans. And, and I don't mean plans written in stone. I mean, any kind of planning you do has to be flexible because um, life constantly changes. You know, I like to think about all these different parts of our life, sort of like a puzzle um, that, you know, there are these different parts. There's finances, there's health and wellness, there's where we live, there's relationship and obligations with children, there are expectations we have of, each other if we're in a relationship or just even of friends. Um, the where to live, you know, thinking about end of life issues. They're all puzzle pieces. And our, the puzzle of our life is not going to fit together just like a perfectly like a jigsaw puzzle because they're different sizes and shape and they all impact each other. Like finances and health and wellness, I think really impact a lot of things because it really influences some of what you can do, some of the lifestyle choices that you have. And I kind of, I like the concept of puzzle because it's a noun and a verb. So you've got all these puzzle pieces, but you need to puzzle it out. You know, so you need to think about these different parts of your life and to figure out how you want them, you know, to fit together. And so I do think the, the more time that you can give yourself to reflect, to puzzle it out, to talk and have conversations with whomever's important in your life, whether it be a spouse, a partner, parents, children, friends, siblings, um, it's really helpful um, so that you know you're, you've got, it's, that's part of the safety net, you know, that you have you know, people in your life that you can talk to and count on and maybe some things you wanna do with them and some things separately. So that thinking about it and some planning is helpful, but it, shouldn't be written in stone because finances may change, health may change, kind of just even during the pandemic, we see that a lot. Or when jobs are lost, people move back home, nothing's written in stone. So there needs to be some flexibility. Yeah, I love the um, the puzzle image. And it's funny because it's something I've been thinking about for myself in my career, that I've got a couple of potential puzzle pieces. And at the moment, I don't really know what's going to go in there. So it's trying to figure it out. And um, so it's something that I've been thinking of for myself and how that all fits together with the rest of my life. And I guess it also demonstrates when we were talking about that potential loss of identity of career, if you've had a really big piece of your puzzle that's in there and that gets taken out, then suddenly it's scary, it's exciting, depending how you view it. So yeah, I, I love that image. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's part of why I think it's helpful if possible, for people to think about what are the other parts of my identity? You know, I think work or parenting certainly is a big, big part. Some people have developed hobbies. 
You know, some people um, realize that there were things maybe they wanted to do that there never was time for. And so this stage of life can be a time where you sort of say, oh, I really wanted to play the piano or, gee, I, I did that a little when I was younger. I want to get back to that. Or, you know, I want to try painting or, you know, different, different things. The, the more you can allow yourself to develop some of these different parts of yourself, then as the one part changes and you're not, no longer doing the work, you're kind of giving up that, that work identity, you've got these other parts of yourself that you now have time to reintegrate into yourself. And I always like to think about that as we get older, it's a chance to become more whole, you know, where we can develop these different interests and parts of ourselves. Um, but it is true, sometimes work or parenting has been such a, you know, kind of a one dimension focus. And it can be really scary of like, who am I now? If I can't call myself, you know, whatever the role is, or if I'm not needed in the same way by my kids who are now are, you know, becoming more independent. So it is important to almost to think about ourselves over the lifespan to develop these different parts of ourselves. Yeah, I'm just thinking with, you know, with uh, COVID as well, that some people in this kind of transition, if their career has been such a big part of their identity, and then if that has changed because of it, then they're maybe in this same situation of kind of thinking, well, who am I now that bit's gone? Um, and I definitely have a very big career piece <laughs> in my puzzle, and I have other hobbies, but, you know, in, in my head, I kind of think, I don't know, I if I was healthy, I'd like to just keep working and doing maybe not exactly what I'm doing, maybe not as much, mm -hmm. but it feels like a, a passion thing. And I think if I got to a point where I had to give up that piece, I don't know how I would feel about it because it does feel quite central. Yeah. Yeah. And for each of us, it's different. Like I'm still working and I'm 75 and I view my work sort of as a portfolio career. So I do some therapy, I do some coaching, I do some writing, I do speaking, you know, I have my monthly um, webinar that I have, I have some other community groups, you know, I still take different classes and stuff, because lifelong learning is a really other important part about well-being and, you know, kind of what's available for us, and, um, and it is really um, there's no right age. My husband's in his 80s. He still works a day a week. Um, and I mean, during COVID, I, I feel fortunate I've been able to work with because I can do it virtually. But you're right. Um, COVID is for many people, um, jobs, people were furloughed. Job, you know, it was like an er you're forced into an early retirement. Uh, same kind of thing happens if there's mergers in companies and stuff so that you're being retired from your job when you're not ready to be. And that's when it becomes helpful in that transition to, to let yourself grieve and, you know, and, and deal with what was, but to open up to some of the new possibilities of, you know, how do I want to use my skills or, you know, what gaps are there and what skills I have and what kind of what the market needs, what jobs are out there and, you know, and taking some time maybe to learn some different skills so you can reinvent yourself um, so that you can work hopefully for as long as you'd like to, but maybe in different ways. But it is hard when life circumstances are such and COVID's been where, you know, for many people, opportunities just have been taken away and, um, and, it, and it's hard and it's hard also for that to happen when you're older, because it is often more difficult for older people to find work. Um, at least I know it happens in our country and I would imagine it may be similar, but that's where the reinventing yourself and really thinking about what do I have that the world needs in a sense? You know, what, you know, what can I develop? How, how do I make myself marketable? And to believe in yourself. That's where the not getting caught in internalized ageism is important to really know that you might be whatever age you are, but you still have a lot to contribute. And you may have to educate people about that and not, you know, but in a, in a nice way where you just let them know what, what, what you are able to do and how you're able to learn and what your flexibility is and sort of break the stereotypes that 
you know, older people can't learn new things, which is, which is a myth. It's not true. Yeah. I was going to ask when you, when you said about the, there might be more challenging for older people to, to, you know, come back into the workplace or find opportunities and how much that is to do with kind of stereotypes and ageism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it does a lot. And it's both the ageism that's out there in society, but it's also sometimes that internalized ageism. The over 60 population, you know, is, is really able to deal well with the internet. Now it's true, you know, we didn't grow up with it the same way younger people did. Um, but it, it's a myth that people can't learn things. And actually there've been, again, some studies looking at the reliability and the flexibility and, you know, that, that older workers have. But if you don't, if, if you believe you're over the hill, um, you will project that. So it, it, it's, it's important to think about changing your mindset and finding ways to believe in yourself. I always like to suggest that people think about what are three to five things um, that you've done in your life that you're really proud of and to think about why, you know, what were, what were the things you did and who was there and what did you contribute? And because you know, sometimes we just need to shift the mindset to really recognize we are really capable people and still able to, I don't even like to stay still able because that's another one of those myths, but able to, you know, be active and, and productive if we so choose. And not everybody wants to be later in life, but you know, a lot of people do. Yeah, but I think it's that that choice um, that's important, isn't it? And we'd mentioned yeah. control kind of uh, previously. And I guess if you're um, being forced into to retirement through a merger or through COVID or through any of that, that's a loss of control and a loss of choice. Exactly. And I think that's such an important thing. So it's, it's, it's really just trying to figure out what are the things you can control and to try to do that. Um, because I think otherwise there can be this almost built-in helplessness or powerlessness. And, you know, we can't control everything, certainly. But there's a lot we can control. Just like I said before with the research, there's 30% of how we age that's genetic. But there's 70% that we can have some control over. And, you know, and it's like just trying to be in the driver's seat as much as you can, um, but also asking for help. That's sometimes a hard thing, you know, but important to, to know it's okay to ask for help. And it's not, I'm weak if I ask for help, but it's part of being human. We all, you know, there's an interdependence in the world. We all need each other. And that's part of why I like the intergenerational, um, that you really can see that. You know, that different ages offer different things to each other. But it's really a, a sign of health, I think, to be able to say, you know, I'm having some trouble with this. I need some help. Absolutely. So, Dory, do you have a final thought on well-being, aging, anything that you'd like to share before I ask you my set questions? Um, no, I think I've said a lot of it. But there is, speaking of transitions, there's, there's a, a book I'd love to recommend to people that I just recently on that program I mentioned, interviewed the author, Bruce uh, Filer. It's called Life is in the Transitions, Mastering Change at Any Age. And I actually love the way he frames um, the transitions of life. And just like all other experts in transitions, you know, he, but he, he gives the term, he says, the long goodbye, the messy middle, and the new beginning. Uh, but he has some other concepts and frames that I like. Like he talks about the disruptors in life and also what he calls life quakes, that there can be, you know, voluntary and involuntary life quakes. And then the transition is how we transition out. Um, so I just like those concepts. So I, I, you know, I just like to mention that book to some of your listeners, because um, I just think it's, I think it's a really helpful frame about transitions, because I think you know, it is helpful to think about life as transitions and how we how we tell our story, how we tell our story is part of our well-being. It's kind of the narrative of our life. And we can, you know, we can't change events that happen to us, but we can we can change the meaning we allow them to have on us. And I think this is another important part that I, I know it's a lot that I do with 
people I work with. And I just personally like his book. So I wanted to recommend that. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And uh, yeah, always love good book recommendations. It's definitely one I'm going to check out because I'm very interested in life transitions, um, but more at the kind of adolescent uh, end of life. But yeah, thank you for that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on my set questions I ask everyone that comes on the show. Um, And the first one is what brings you joy in your life? Oh, there's so many things that bring me joy. Um, I think my work, I, I love being able to help people think about different things and in more positive ways about aging. Um, And I love having time to spend with my family and friends. Um, And I love, I love hiking and reading and um, just quiet time and all too. So a lot of things bring me joy. I just, um, I feel I feel that fullness of life, which is just really special to feel. And I hope that, I mean, I, I wish that people can find that for themselves. Awesome. Um, and so my next question is, what makes life meaningful? Well, in a sense, I probably just responded to that too. But I think the combination for me of, well, I think it is the connection, the engagement and the purpose and meaning really. You know, I think that, you know, through my work, through the, um, through my family, through my friends, through the communities I'm part of, uh, it really does give me that connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning. And um, and it just, it feels good. You know, there's a sense of, of a connection in the world and that I'm not alone in things and that I have, you know, people I can turn to um, and people who turn to me. Um, and that gives a lot of satisfaction and meaning to me. Brilliant. Thank you. It's, it's always interesting because those yeah. two joy and meaning yeah. sometimes they're similar and sometimes people answer them the kind of other way yeah really interesting um so my next two questions are about our overarching topic on the podcast which is mental wellness so the first question is what does mental wellness mean to you um i think that's part of what i've been talking about in a sense that you know mental wellness emotional wellness is Again, the connection, the engagement, purpose, and meaning. But I, I think in addition, it's, it's taking control of the parts that we can control in our life. Because again, we can't control everything. And I think meaningful relationships, being part of community, having important but sometimes difficult conversations with people, um, taking time to reflect on life and to sort of recognize your place in it um, and what you can contribute and also what you can learn and and really having an attitude of openness to learning. I mean, I I haven't really stressed that part, but I'm just a believer in lifelong learning or in a sense, learning lifelong um, and just taking care of ourselves to the best ways that we can. Brilliant. And I, I think you might have already answered the next question as well, but I'll ask it anyway, uh, in case there's anything you want to add. And that's for yourself, how you look after your own mental well-being. So I take time to reflect. Um, I take time. I One of the things I really like doing is really focusing on, you know, deep breathing during the day. So, you know, either at times of transition and or sort of do it like once an hour I've just over the years learned of taking a a few deep breaths and you know like a deep breath in through my nose and out through my mouth and then whatever soothing message I want to give myself like relax or don't react or or whatever so that's part of it I try to take a little bit of time for meditation I exercise um, at least five times a week um, I like walking. I walk as much as I can. I happen to have a, a dog that gives me a great excuse to go out for walking. I think pets can be wonderful parts of life. And I try to give myself downtime so I have time for family and friends. It's been much harder during this past year, but I've been doing a lot of Zoom connections. You know, I've connected with cousins over you know different parts of the, the country. I've connected with college roommates, you know, that we hadn't seen each other for like 50 years. And now we talk on Zoom every, you know, every three weeks, you know, so, so nurturing relationships. 
I think is a, a big part for me. Um, connection with people. I'm just, I'm, I'm a people person. I really, really like, um, it's part of why I think I have these community networks I've developed. I like bringing people together and, you know, and helping people think about things and learn new things and all. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I love learning. So because <laughs> on lifelong learning, I, you know, it's something I, I don't see my, like sometimes when people say, oh, you know, you get to a point and you, they think like, when are you going to stop studying? But I don't think I ever will. I hope you don't. Yeah. Learning throughout life and a, a, a dear friend of mine, Jan Hively, who's now 89, she says meaningful work paid or unpaid through our last breath. And she's a beautiful example of that, you know, with just all these different programs and all that she's helped uh, develop or collaborate with people to develop. And, you know, I think continuing to learn, continuing to, to engage with people, continuing to you know, share your wisdom. I mean, it keeps us kind of vital and, and grounded. Yeah. yeah. So I hope you do. I hope you continue yeah. that through your whole life too. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I'm just kind of collecting qualifications at the moment. Like, <laughs> Just keep going. Why not? Why not? It's like Pokemon. Go collect them all. Um, so my next question uh, is sometimes a challenge for people, but we'll see. Uh, how would you describe? Oh, question. Yeah. How would you describe your own mindset? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I th think over the years, I really have tried, and I can't say it's always been this way, but I think as I've gotten older, to have a, a, a more positive attitude and to be, um, to be aware of myself. I mean, I think for myself, and I think for all of us, we have strengths and limitations. And, um, and I certainly went through stages of life where I would push myself and want to be perfect. And I've given up on that. I just decided... I can only do the best I can do. Um, so I try to be kind to myself, I think, in some ways like that. And I guess growing older, too, I've become more humble. But, you know, I, I do value and know I, I, I have a good perspective on things and a lot to share. But I also just have so much to learn. And so it uh, keeps me sort of grounded in that way. Um, ask me the question again, I think. Um, yeah, how how would you describe your own mindset? Yeah, so I think I, I think it's evolved into trying to have a, a can-do mindset of, of you know, uh, wanting to try things. But, but I also think as I've gotten older, I've, um, I, I like to think that I take risks, but I'm also probably somewhat cautious um, as I've gotten older. I think when I was younger, I felt more invulnerable. Um, but there's something that happens as you get older that you realize that we're all pretty vulnerable in some ways. So I'm not invulnerable. So I think, but my, my mindset, I think, is um, really working hard to focus on what I can do um, and to have this attitude of, um, of being able and capable and wanting to try things and wanting to connect with people. But but just knowing I also still have a lot to learn. I like being the teacher as well as the learner. So I think that's part of my mindset. Um, but, but really, I, I try. It doesn't always work, but I try to find the positives in things, although it's very easy and to fall back on some of the negatives or get anxious about things. But, but I think thinking, you know, just the reflecting and trying to kind of think and keep in perspective strengths and and, and weaknesses sort of just helps helps me have a mindset of you know wanting to try things and learn things brilliant thank you for sharing that and uh, my next question is one of my favorites to ask uh, which is my kind of a top tip question uh, so we like to leave the listeners with one to three top tips of things that they could try out in their life that could have a, a big impact so you can do them kind of focus on transitions or or aging or more generally, it's uh, completely up to you, but do you have a top one to three tips for us? Mm, another interesting question. Um, 
So I think one is the believe in yourself, uh, reflect, get to know yourself, you know, try to be open to um, your strengths and limitations and sort of know what you still want to learn or, you know, and to not be afraid of asking for help. So I think that's one tip. The other that I think I even mentioned is, you know, think about how you have handled transitions in your life, because I think it may help you um, as you proceed with things of knowing that, um, you know, you, you, you know, if you've gotten this far, you've managed transitions in some way and to just understand how you have so you can be kind of kind to yourself as you get into this next phase of transition. So I think that would be another. Um, and I think another is part of that well-being of just really recognizing that life is not forever. And, you know, as we get older, there can be more of an urgency because we know we don't have forever, but to appreciate that. But, to, you know, I really do believe in this connection, engagement, purpose and meaning, meaningful relationships, sort of having a sense of, you know, self-esteem, belonging to community, all of those things just to help make life work, worth living. And so I think my tip is to try to figure out how you can build that in your life. And even if it feels like it's not there right now, trying to think about what, what are one or two things maybe you could, you know, maybe one thing at a time, just little small steps that you can take that might help you open yourself a little bit more to some of the you know, the possibilities that are in, you know, are available for you in your life. So I think that that openness to that and knowing that, um, you know, it's up to us to make them, you know, the best of the life that we have. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing this. It's always my favorite question to ask. To yeah. See. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so then my, uh, my next question, this is a, a new one that I've, I've started throwing in because I love to read and watch TED Talks. Um, and so I know you've already given us a book recommendation, but you can give us another one or a TED Talk, something that's been really impactful for you. Well, I, I would like to just even mention a book that I co-authored, which is called The Couple's Retirement Puzzle. That's where the puzzle comes from. <laughs> Ten must-have conversations for creating an amazing new life together. Um, another book um, that, that I think is really helpful for, for retirees is um, Ken Dykewald's book called What, what Retirees Want. Um, and for TED Talks, there's so many good ones. Ashton Applewhite uh, does a lot of work on, on ageism. And I, I would recommend her talk. Mark Friedman has done a lot of work on the encore sort of notion of life. But, but even more recently, he's, doing, he's done a lot of uh, work on intergenerational connections. So I think his TED Talks would be helpful and people could always look at my, my TEDx talk. <laughs> and I think Ken Dykewald, who I'd mentioned also has TED talks as well as Bruce Feiler, the person I mentioned with the book on transitions. Uh, there's so many good ones on, you know, on aging, on well-being, on transitions, on gratitude. There are also some lovely TED talks. Um, Louis Schwarzenberg has a a beautiful one on um, on gratitude because um, I think that's the other part maybe that's another tip that I would add to it that that I do think part of well-being is also being able to feel gratitude being able to forgive yourself and others because um, nobody's perfect we all make mistakes but if we can learn from them we can't as I said before we can't change things that have happened but we can we can change some of the meaning we put on them and and, and we, we have opportunities to rewrite our life stories you know and there's some stories we tell ourselves that get in our way and hinder us and there's some that really help us open to recognizing there can be these new chapters in life but it's up to us to you know to be the author of them yeah I mean stories is a whole other thing that we can <laughs> we right. talk yeah. about isn't it yeah. a whole other yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Thank you so much, Dory. And my, my final question is where people can connect with you. I know you mentioned your programs. If you can remind us about those, where can we find you? Thank you. So my website is www.revolutionizeretirement.com. And I do on the fourth Tuesday of each month, except for December, but on the fourth Tuesday of each month, 
noon Eastern time, USA Eastern time, um, free, open to professionals and the public. Sign up always is, is the week before. And once you sign up, even if you can't be there live, you'll get a copy of the recording. Um, so that's one thing. And my email is uh, dorian at dorianmincer.com if people want to reach me or via my website. Um, and I you know, hope that your listeners have found this helpful. I think growing older, you know, is, is actually a gift and, and it's important to recognize it and to try to make the, the best of it that we can and to keep learning, growing, connecting with people and believing in yourself. Amazing. I think it's a lovely summary to, to bring us to a close. Dory, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was lovely interacting with you and being part of this. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. So a massive thank you again to Dory for joining us. And it's funny, um, we're talking about transitions and some of the transitions, and I'm very aware that I've got a, a big life transition coming up soon. Oh, actually a couple um, over the, the summer, I'm starting a new course um, training in September. And so that's quite a big transition in terms of learning and career kind of stuff. Um, and new opportunities, we launched our social enterprise this week, um, just gone. So last week now, um, but also in, in three weeks from when I'm recording this, I'm getting married. And so that's um, a big transition. And so listening back to this conversation, I was reflecting on it. And it's interesting um, in the sort of time since we recorded this uh, with some of the things that have happened um, in my life and, and with therapy and kind of like exploring stuff. Actually, I am very much, uh, as I said, that seeing opportunities and kind of head down, move forward, get on with stuff. So actually my challenge often, and this is something that I've uh, <laughs> been working on a little bit over uh, the last few months, is acknowledging that loss and kind of honouring how I'm feeling and not just kind of skipping over that onto, yes, there are other opportunities. And, and so for me, it's a bit of that balance the other way of yes I don't want to get stuck in in the loss but actually acknowledging those very real feelings and the very real loss disappointment hurt maybe with uh, things not working out the way that you want or um whatever it is uh, and I mentioned um last week about the doctorate and not getting a place and and so I was like that's fine because <laughs> this is other course but actually really taking a moment to go that really sucked actually and I was really disappointed and, and honouring that side of it as well and I think that's that balance of, of kind of going we have feelings um, sometimes they're painful feelings sometimes they're uncomfortable feelings but actually if we are too quick to jump over those onto the next thing onto you know trying to feel positive again and actually that can, can kind of compound the issue because we're like, pushing them down or we're not really acknowledging um things for ourselves so that's i think my big thing to work on that balance of not staying there too long about actually when i am disappointed when i am upset when i am angry kind of go yeah <laughs> that's how i'm feeling i'm gonna acknowledge it and then i can you know be optimistic and whatever uh, so that was my reflection and i think it's a great thing to reflect on for yourself how you manage those big life transitions and and those puzzle pieces those things that are making up your life and and how, yeah how you're feeling if if you are listening and thinking oh that sense of connection or that sense of purpose or whatever I really feel that's missing is something to think about and I think purpose is an interesting one because some people can be very much like this is my life purpose thing that I'm here to do and some people don't feel that sense of purpose and if you're one of those people who don't really feel that, that like drive a purpose, that's okay. And, and not kind of getting into that kind of self stigmatizing kind of thing of going, Oh no, I need to discover what my purpose is. I haven't found it. That's cool. Uh, you know, do things that you enjoy that light you up that give you some meaning in your life. It doesn't have to be that all consuming sense of purpose. Um, I think you know, anytime it's what why we try not to do in like absolutes it's always 
about reflecting and seeing what resonates for you because if we were sort of saying absolutely you need your purpose and you're listening you're thinking I don't know what mine is then you can get into that kind of beating yourself up and like oh what's wrong with me and I think that is not great for well-being so uh, if you have a sense of purpose awesome if you don't awesome yeah so I wanted to share that and that's it I think for today uh, thank you so much for joining us thank you to Dory again for joining us and everything she shared and if you enjoyed the show please do consider rating reviewing and sharing it it really helps us to reach more people um, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode for you I hope you have a good couple of days until Wednesday any comments uh, feedback or anything you can connect with me at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching uh, on instagram facebook twitter wherever and yeah i will speak to you wednesday until then as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i'll speak to you soon bye for now